HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Little M. Tucker. Our goal is to help chefs and restaurateurs craft their tabletop story. You can learn more at www.littlemtucker.com. Hi, this is Joe Campanelli, the host of In the Drink. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, October 28th. This is the 84th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, we're talking about charity and culinary events, and I will introduce my two awesome guests in a moment. First, as I do on every show, we'll start out with my PR tip, Later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to look up and engage. Nowadays, we're all looking down with our eyes glued to our phones. Apparently, whatever is happening there is more important or interesting than what's happening in front of us. I'm guilty of this too, and I'm here to remind you and me that we should focus on being in the present. Let's not forget to have a conversation. Make eye contact, smile, and talk to people in real time. Whatever is on our phones can wait. Be in the now. That is my tip today. Now, I'm very excited to have my guests here today, both of whom just wrapped up working on the New York City Wine and Food Festival. First is Maura Sedgwick, NYC Senior Manager of Culinary Events for Share a Strength. Mora works closely with chefs and restaurateurs during large-scale, high-profile culinary events with organizations including the James Beard Foundation, Food Bank for New York City, and Manhattan Cocktail Classic, in addition to NYC Wine Food Festival. She has earned degrees from the Culinary Institute of America and NYU with a Master's in Food Studies, and she's the founder of Rum and Blackbird Events. Next is Jackie Palmer who has been in the event industry since 2001. 
For the past five years, she has been with PTG Event Services in the capacity of client services and on-site management. Past notable projects have been the Share a Strength Taste of the Nation, Vendi Awards, Jazz Age Lawn Party, Taste of the Upper West Side, and the Red Supper with the Roots. So welcome, you accomplished ladies. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, thanks for having us. Wow, my pleasure. So lots of events, lots of culinary charity events that you guys now collaborate on. So how did you both get into this field? I guess I will start with that one. Um, I started off when I was a teen being pretty obsessed with two of my aunts, one of which worked for Todd English in Boston, and the other was a instructor for culinary arts in high school. And they would just put on amazing, you know, small events for family and friends. And it really got me thinking that I wanted to do something similar to that. So I went to culinary school and the rest is just history. And now I'm here sitting with you. For me, my parents, <laughs> simple, <laughs> they ran um, the local community events. So the typical fall festival every year, and they did so well, they were asked to do it again and again. They wound up doing it for seven years. So every September, the dining room would be filled with plush toys and goldfish bowls. And as I became older, I became more involved with it and just loved it. And at 19, I was the offered opportunity to work for um, mobile entertainment company, and I did their extra entertainment. So anything beyond what we had in-house, it was my job to contract and source. And I just stuck with it since. Did you set out to be in the culinary industry or just more it was events entertainment industry i actually okay. went to college at five towns college for um management and took pre-classes for uh, entertainment law but events stuck and i just i stayed with it right i know Maura. we've talked about how you did know you wanted to get into the culinary industry yeah i feel kind of like i'm one of those people that just knew exactly what i wanted to do from the beginning and maybe that will run its course at some point. Not quite sure yet. But I know there are some others that are like me. And I'm going to give a shout out to Eve Cohen, who's an amazing festival producer and has done things from culinary to music festivals. And some of us just start out as cooks in, in a kitchen and see an easy connection between all of the prep that you have to do, the mise en place, getting things uh, organized and making sure you have everything that you need to keep the kitchen flowing in you know, the time of service when everything can be really hectic and chaotic and moving quickly. And it's the same thing when you consider events. You spend months of planning, and that's really your mise en place. And if you set yourself up correctly, you'll have a stunning event. Agreed. It's a lot of hard work in both the kitchen and out there in the field, if you will. Yes, and I know Eve, and she does do an incredible job. And there is a lot of planning that goes into these events. So with NYC Food & Wine, festival. When did you start and what was your role with putting the festival together? I have, I've been with the festival for eight years since the beginning and um, the timeline is really long and it also depends on the type of event, events that you're doing. And I've been one of the people on the team that's worked in various capacities um, by being the volunteer coordinator to um, sponsor activation management. And this year I switched things up again and did a bunch of smaller different events. But every time we start our work around April. I mean, I do as one of the event managers. And the team that's working on the festival works year-round. 
really dedicated. Um, I, even just today, we had a lovely little recap and started talking briefly about 2016. So it's a lot of time, and we're just keeping to deadlines as much as possible. And I know the chefs that work with us sometimes think our lead time is a little intense and crazy, but having all those months in advance really does set us up for success. PTG's been with the festival since, I believe, 2012. Um, our capacity is we are the rental sponsor for now what's turned into the peer events. So anything on the re- rooftop of Pier 92, we are the preferred rental sponsor, um, providing them with their cooking equipment and small wares and then even handling the sponsorship positions. Um, we tend to get involved probably beginning of summer. We'll start discussing um, dates and themes of the events. And as we get closer, it's it's more broad strokes and actual rentals and a lot of the time we don't really have a final list until about a week to two weeks out. And then that's when we're really pulling it all together. She's got to pack those trucks. Time Lots of trucks. How do you like the venue? If we can call it a, I guess it is a venue, yeah. Pier 92. So I live within walking distance of Pier 92, 94, like within 10 minute walking distance. I can see them from my apartment. I have a picture of the the purple lights. I mean, it's kind of far to take a, a photo, but I can see the pier, and it's, I mean, I don't know, what's it, um, a, a football field length? I mean, it's, it's ginormous. It is. Do you see them setting up the tents? Because that's one of my favorite things is when, when you pull you over know, the top. I, I didn't, I, I wasn't home to, I should have pulled out the binoculars and then, but I, I could, I could Not see creepy. it. I, yeah, I could, I, I, I mean, I, I could see the cruise ship dock which is next door too which is nice i have a nice view but it's um so it's a massive event so Mm -hmm. what so you do the the rental of the tents i mean tell me more about the all the equipment because and it runs really smoothly that i i've always been impressed with the organization the main structure actually comes from a different tent company out of miami they work with the uh south beach food and wine festival um, but we're very good friends with them, so they actually bring the structure up, and we provide the labor to actually put it up. To do it. Uh, the okay. cement ballasting to secure the tent, and then we do all the smaller chef positions outside of the tent, so the little 10 by 10s that you see strung along, all of the bars that the the chefs serve from, the tables, all of their cooking equipment. So all those girls for Burger Bash? All those girls for Burger and Bash. And the propane. <laughs> all those girls. And spits. Yes. Uh, Metopia had a lot of spits this year. Oh, well, um, Pat Lafrida up front, too. Did you see the, the massive stir he had? Well, of uh, course you saw it. Yeah. 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 So they come in during the overnight when a secondary PTG team is there doing the flip between events. Um, we run three shifts of teams there. So we have a smaller team chairing the day. It's two managers um, and a crew of four to five guys. Um, and then another crew comes in to do a baton toss, so to say, between ourselves and then the overnight crew. And then Elizabeth Can, our director of operations, who we adore, comes in with a mob of people and reset everything, clean, wash, reset, restyle, so that when we come in in the morning, it's all there. It's amazing. From the event producer side, to have that team work so hard and seamlessly, it sets us up just to have a clean slate. And Burger Bash is a, you know, it's a dirty event. And there's lots of meat everywhere and bread falling on the floor. Yeah. So that cleanup after, just knowing that you're going to come into a nice, tidy, clean yeah. venue. Um, there are obviously other people that are cleaning up, but Team PTG is 
one of my favorites. And we met in 2012 on the festival and I just, I fell in love with Jackie. I needed a tablecloth and this woman came in with, um, a fury that I've never seen before just to get me whatever I wanted. And, and I loved her. So I love her energy and her team's passion, especially, um, some of the great guys that are working on the team too, that will do anything for you. It's our crew makes us look good. I got yeah. it's the boys. They are they, they are great tattoos. <laughs> really good. <laughs> tattoos. They don't stop and they don't know to say no. It's just something we really try to avoid. I rather come with solutions than I can't do something. We just we don't like that. How many people are on a team like for the, for um, the wine festival? Are mm, it's the full team. It really, I can't, because I can't discount my warehouse and what they're doing on a daily basis. So our warehouse is comprised of about 30 guys, which includes um, a linen culinary equipment and washing team, and then a regular warehouse of just tables and chairs, lounge furniture, whole outside crew of our just tent equipment and our cements, um, setup boys. We have a crew of about 40 to 50 guys and an office staff of about 15. So we're a pretty decent-sized company. And you have to wear a hard hat and a vest. That's fun. In the I warehouse. Got, I got steel toe boots oh, so I can mm-hmm. be on site for yep. certain jobs. Yep. <laughs> it's pretty good. Well, having gone to, I went I, to all of those events on, on 92 mm-hmm. and I could see, you know, you go one night for the Burger Bash and the next day was the Jets and Chefs and it's the same sort of format or, mm-hmm. but it's. It, it has its own style and it is clean mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's it's miraculous what 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 you do i mean what's what's the biggest challenge to doing event on a pier in nyc in the fall which starts to get a little colder on consecutive days that actually uh-huh. i will say that the fall helps the cooler weather helps if i think that if you were doing it in the heat with all that cooking equipment and the different oils it 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 also Would, slows you down productivity wise. Like I get really yeah. tired and, and I'm in awe when I go to South beach and see that team there hustling in the heat. That's, that's hard. A, that's a lot. Yeah. The, the big challenge is really just, we bring in a washing area to kind of handle the equipment that needs to be flipped from event to event. So it's really, it's more of our internal communication and making sure that what needs to stay for all five events, um, making sure that, Equipment that doesn't need to stay can be removed and brought back to our warehouse and out of everybody's way. But again, making sure that the little nuances, the lounge moving from one area to another, from front position courtyard to back stays, um, that you know body and make sure that they get their blenders throughout and that we're, we're cleaning those and bringing them back to their position. It's, it's those little things that make the difference. And that's where all the months of planning and detail come into play. Yeah. And I, I'm silly when I think about how kitchen life and production life are really the same. Um, when Jackie's talking about moving all these details and, and really getting into it, that's her using her tweezers to put the final component on a plate. We try. I mean, we really try to capture all the different conversations and we try to do it on a map. And those maps become our Bibles for PTG and the different leads that we have and different crew members. And this is your map. This is what we work from. And it even shows the different flips between events. But again, it's also the producers giving us the information that we need to execute that. And you work with Randy Fisher with Cream, (coughs) right? Yeah, but I saw him at the event. I did a show with him a while ago. And um, Randy and Callie, Team Cream. Team Cream. 
Yeah, they're amazing. And I love the band also at Burger Bash. Really good band. That was the best <laughs> band ever. I mean, I've been dancing. Ran yeah, past yeah. them a couple times. Didn't yep. totally. They sounded really good. good. Really good. Yeah, great band. Welcome again. <laughs> and on that note, we'll take a little break. We're going to come back. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Our goal is to help chefs and restaurateurs craft their tabletop story. We have a unique expertise in china, glassware, flatware, and more that will help guide your purchasing decisions. Consult with us and you will leave a long-lasting impression on your guests. Express your brand clearly and use high-quality, functional products designed for the commercial hospitality market. Little M. Tucker is a division of M. Tucker and Singer Equipment Company the largest food service distributor on the East Coast, which means we can get you what you need when you need it. If you're looking for a responsive, knowledgeable, reliable partner, please contact us today. You can learn more at www.littlemtucker.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guests today are Maura Sedgwick, NYC Senior Manager of Culinary Events for Share Strength, and Jackie Palmer of PTG Event Services. We're talking charity and culinary events. These two ladies are totally behind the scenes with that and amazing, amazing at what you do. So, Maura, with Share Strength, which is a primary sponsor of the NYC Wine and Food Festival, so talk a bit about your role with 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 Share Strength and, and their role with the festival? Sure. Um, I will start by saying that the New York City Wine and Food Festival has two charities, and Share Strength is one of the charities, and the other is the Food Bank for New York City. And I actually got my position at Share Strength because I was working on the New York City Wine and Food Festival, and they were looking for someone who has culinary event background, and um, that was me. So I switched over from doing festival and a lot of other events to working at No Kid Hungry. And a lot of the the work that I do there isn't just surrounding events. We work with a lot of chefs and we really work with them to help us achieve our goal of ending childhood hunger in the U.S. And we work with a stellar group of chefs, not just in New York, across the country, but in New York, some of the ones that are most vocal and helping us achieve our goals um, include Danny Meyer and Anita Lowe and Bryce Schumann, Eamon Rocky, Eli Sussman, J.J. Johnson, Sarah Simmons. And those are some of my peeps that I want to give a shout out to because they work so much for us and with us. And not just 
um, having, you know, stations at, at our events, but also bugging the mayor and doing social media blasts for us and signing letters. And they really helped us achieve Breakfast in the Classroom, which was just passed um, by the mayor this September. So now all kids in public school from kindergarten up to eighth grade will have um, breakfast. So thank you to all of our chefs and supporters who get it done. That's wonderful. that's, That's one big part of the job is to work with our chefs and have them help us. And then the other is to focus on bringing the No Kid Hungry brand to life. And a large part of that is done through the events that I work on. Um, The largest one in which Jackie helps me with is Taste of the Nation, which usually takes place in April every year. So we're gearing up for April 2016. And that's where we have a walk around tasting with about 60 to 70 chefs and bartenders that donate their time and talents to helping us achieve our goal um, of ending No Kid, uh, excuse me, of ending childhood hunger. And the best part about that is in this event, we really tell the No Kid Hungry story and think about strategic ways to partner with different sponsors and people like PTG who are really special partners to us in addition to the chefs that work with us. So it's, it's a lot of work, not just events, but a lot of great relationships and brand management and good things. Very good things. I've been a regular at Taste of a Nation. I volunteered a long time ago on the committee that ran it. and um, Before my time, I think. Before your time, yeah. I was, I've seen it change some venues, and it's always... A, always looking for new venues. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's a wonderful event, and you get such an amazing lineup of chefs, and all the people you named are doing... Yeah, they're doing great things for the industry. And um, So what else... Uh, with, with Taste of a Nation, Jackie, what was... You're, you've been on board with them for a couple of years now? Three years at this point. Since I've been there, my entire tenure, because I <laughs> say it time and time again, I will not work with any other rental company besides PTG, because there's so much more than that. They're a team, they're a family, they're dedicated pros, and I know that they'll take care of me. And we're present. We're present for and it. And you are we a present. Listen to you. <laughs> we try to work with our equipment to make it to customize it for the different events. Um, a great example of that was the Bethany Bar this year, which yes. was taking something from our inventory and just tweaking it a little bit to make it seem special. And it was special, and it we replicated it to look like their sign outside um, just by doing some in-house graphics on it. And Eamon and Bryce were... Over the moon. They were ecstatic about it. And I think that's one of the most exciting parts of my job is working with Jackie and ideating on, you know, what the theme of the event is going to be and what the message is that we're getting across. And it really is about telling the story of No Kid Hungry, but also telling the story of our partners. And I think that bar is such a good example of telling the story of Bettany and what Eamon wanted to really showcase and highlight for his brand. So everyone's coming together and everyone has their own marketing objectives. But what's really great as a creative director of this large event is I get to work with my various partners and we come together to create a vision that that shares with everyone. And Bethany Barrett looked so good. That looked good this year. It was year. amazing. That's where we met. Well, Jackie. At Bethany. They met at the bar. Yes. At the bar. With oh, well, Maura and I, we've known each other, we've known each other a, a while. A long time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, many years. I can't even remember. Seven? Well, that's a good number. Something like that. Seven's lucky. Lucky number seven. 
Yeah, no, you've... Yeah, I'm always impressed with, with everything you've done. You've done a lot of event production, and I love this collaboration that you have and support and that it's a team effort. What what advice would you give to someone who, who wants to get into culinary production? Like, what... What's what don't people tell you before you do it? You're on the clock, twenty four hours for yeah. three days in a row. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, listening to your your tip today about being present <clears throat> sometimes conflicts with event goals and needs. Um, everything's timely, and you're constantly checking in and moving things forward. And I know for me personally, there's a sea of emails always waiting for me, and trying to keep on top of all of those, not letting anything fall through the cracks, which I, I'm sure everyone else is dealing with as well, because there's so many emails. But I think what people don't tell you about is the schlepping. I'm a forever schlepper. Oh, I actually have some of your linens in my apartment. Thank you. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. See? So you're always um, bringing something somewhere. Lots of cab rides. Lots of... My doormen are really... Um, really well-versed in all of our event <laughs> assets. They've moved many a banner for me, and it, it takes a village. <laughs> I think for somebody without a culinary background, going into culinary events, one, Google's your best friend. Um, when you're asked for a bain-marie, I, Google that. Google that immediately. <laughs> um, and it's also just having a knack for figuring out what is the end goal, um, whether it's a food event or um, just a regular street festival. Someone may ask you for an item that you're not particularly sure what it is, but what are they looking to do with that? What is the end goal for this item? Because maybe I have something else in my inventory that will work for you, and I don't have to go buy, very specifically, a Bain-Marie. Maybe, maybe we have something that'll, that will work for this situation, and then adapting what you have in your inventory to the client's needs. They're essentially professional survivalists, and if the world were to go down mm-hmm. an end... I'd really try to find the PTG, PTG team quickly because my, yeah, my they know trunk what's alone. Up. My trunk has some floodlights, <laughs> yep. champagne bucket, really prepared gaff tape, zip ties. We're set. Yep. So glad I met you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're set. And before the show, we were talking that you're you're also working on the marathon, the New York City mm-hmm. marathon that comes up. You do. I mean, that's a another massive production, but. You're, or you were telling me, I thought it was fascinating how you, you trail the runners. Like, Talk a little bit about that. PTG has uh, a handful of different roles within the New York City Marathon. Um, not only do we provide tea and hot chocolate to the runners at the start line in their various areas. And that sink comes in handy for other events, like my own, amazing. I can say. Thank you. <laughs> um, we also actually use that those sinks and the hot water heaters at uh, Wine and Food Festival on the rooftop. We used it... Um, at Nation to for the chefs, um, but for the marathon, we also do a lot of the table course drops for the uh, water and I believe Gatorade positions. So it's various trucks hidden throughout the various boroughs. Um, they do the drops throughout the evening, and then in the morning they go back and collect. And it's something where you're kind of up all night fielding phone calls coming through, um, and different members of the PTG team handle different areas of that. So we have one team that will handle the Staten Island start line. Um, other team members that are handling course drops in different positions throughout the boroughs. They're also logistical masters. It's amazing. Yes. I mean, your team, your logistical masters. Well, yeah. I, I think people watch the New York City Marathon or participate, but a lot of times they don't think about this stuff. Like, who got the hot chocolate there? 
<laughs> a lot of people don't have an inkling what goes into an event, but I think the beauty of that event is them not knowing what went into right. making it happen. Correct. Taste of the Nation, we had one or two like little hiccups this year, but the guests sure. never knew that. And I don't, I've nope. never had an event not have a hiccup. Yes. But it's making sure the guests don't see it. And I think as long as it's handled internally mm-hmm. and properly... And before doors open, right? Um, you've then had a successful event because nothing will ever happen without something. There's always something. And that's why I think, again, going back to kitchen life, it's so similar because inevitably someone's going to get burnt and some electrical thing will get blown and some chef won't have what he needs. And you didn't plan for it, but you did because you put together this stellar team that can think on their feet quickly and you can make decisions and just move and, and get it done and also do it with a really great attitude that's not one of those crazy frenetic no yelling, no screaming. No. You don't do that at my events? No, we try to laugh. Try Love to keep laughing. it really upbeat. Mm-hmm. And lots of food. Feed the crew. That's Correct. Nice. Always eating. If you're eating and laughing through the event and the setup, I think that's great. But something as little as somebody unplugging the wrong extension cord can make the power go down. In a, and you just don't... Don't you don't realize know. that. Yeah. So when um, chefs are telling us the power that they need, let us know. Because <laughs> we might be the ones unplugging you if you didn't tell us about your equipment. Uh, so important. Mm, transparency of information. Correct. <laughs> let me ask my question from last week. Uh, my guess on episode 83, I had on Chris Miali and Chef Ilan Hall representing Blue Cut Aprons. They want to know how you manage crowd control. PTG, for the most part, wouldn't manage it, but we do have the equipment to help control it. So we have anything from steel barricades to black stanchions or chrome stanchions with the pretty ropes. We have the sign frames and we have the capability um, to do branding. So for like barricades, we have barricade covers and we can brand them um, for various sponsors or directions or even just placement of the name of the event outside of a venue. And from the event side, my go-to is a lot of equipment. Thank you, Rope and Stanchion. Mm. Love to have the police barricades. We used those for entry to mm. the venue last year for Taste the Nation. But the most amazing thing was watching PTG set up the police barricade to keep all the tourists on the Wall Street Wall Street, Street out of the way so they could load in their yeah. massive amounts of equipment. Um, but during the event, what is really helpful with crowd control is, is thinking ahead about what the flow is going to be like. And that's where strategy comes into play, where you're considering what stations, what activations, what dishes, what drinks are going to be popular and what is going to go around those positions so you can make sure the flow makes sense. So when we're doing the floor plan and the layout, you know, you can't put rope and stanchion on, on every chef station to form a line and lines form naturally and and, and there are things that you can do with your floor plan by setting up furniture and equipment to really set a predetermined flow, just like in a grocery store. Um, there's a pattern that you're thinking about ahead of time as a producer. And then when you're on site and you're in the thick of it and a line has formed where you weren't really anticipating it, we really encourage our chefs or our bartenders to go out there with a tray of their goodies and give food to those people in line. Because just to your point about people being happy if they're eating, That's what we want our guests to be doing, too. We want them to have food and drink in their hand and have a really great experience and very few obstacles. So my crowd control involves food, (laughs) rope and stanchion, um, and 
and some good floor flow. We have a theme. It's yes. food. Yeah, that's correct. That's amazing. My strategy is to walk to the back and move forward, come back. You know, it's a good working. guess strategy. Don't tell too many people, though. Yeah, well... Whoever <laughs> listening now, you have my strategy because the lines all start at the front and they right. move back. So if I can get to the back, and move forward. But that's great. Yeah, that was that's my crowd control. It's oh. a good secret <laughs> to have. I don't. Th- I don't think. Well, maybe a lot of people. No, I don't know. I still think people walk into an event and they want to go to the first station and they're hungry and they want to eat and yep. get going. Yep, you that know? is correct. They there's, don't want to walk by. There's a frenzy. Things. Yeah, correct. But you know, start off with a good calorie burn. Make your way to the back of the room. <laughs> it's interesting when, when I think of the layout of the peer events for the New York City Wine and Food Festival and then some of the interesting layouts that we do for Taste of the Nation. You don't always know where the back is right? because Very we true. utilize different floors and mm-hmm. different nooks and try to create different experiences and flow that way. And that's me messing with everyone. So you're welcome. Thank you. Just your throw, secret. That's correct. Just throwing a little bit of a wrench in things gonna, and keeping it interesting. I'm going to find the back. Challenge me. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is a challenge. (laughs) Okay. We're going to take another break here. We're going to come back and do my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Hi, this is Dave Arnold from Cooking Issues, and I'm here to talk to you about the Museum of Food and Drink, which is finally getting a brick-and-mortar space right here in Brooklyn, New York. So the Museum of Food and Drink is opening the MOFAD Lab, our first laboratory and gallery space, where we will be putting on an exhibition called Making It or Faking It, the history of the flavor industry. It tackles a very important uh, topic, which is how the food system got to be the way it is now. Uh, as a result of the intervention of the flavor industry, how that happened. Get your tickets at tickets.mofad.org to come see the first exhibit ever of the Museum of Food and Drink at the MoFad Lab, brought to you by Infinity on 62 Bayard Street. Okay, welcome back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio (laughs) Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guests today are Maura Sedgwick and Jackie Palmer. It's time for my speed round game. What this is, I'm going to name two or a few things, either or type questions. You pick your preference. No right or wrong. Great. Got it. Are there Snickers? Later. Sorry. Snickers or... (laughs) (laughs) Or, Yeah. No. Or Reese's? No. That wasn't one, but... um, Could be. Could be. Go for it. (laughs) Snickers or Reese's? <laughs> Snickers. Oh, really? Reese's. I mean, I love peanut butter cups, but I Snickers. Reese's all day long. From Clueless, the movie. The holiday Snickers. ones, they have more peanut mm, butter Snickers. in them. <gasps> Not the normal ones. Oh, yeah, the holiday ones. The, the egg. The tree, the Yes. Egg. I hate to break it up, but we <laughs> yep. have to do a speed round yep, here. here it goes. Eat in or eat out? Out. In. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Wine. Cocktail. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Large. Small. How are we friends? <laughs> <laughs> There's more to eat on a large plate. 
<laughs> more to share. Communal table or chef's counter? Counter. Counter. Never done it, though. Dying to. Counter, yeah. As someone who loves a chef's counter, you have to if you've never done it. It's, aw- it's awesome. Go to Rebel. Uh, With yeah. me. They have a great done. kitchen back counter yes. back there. That's awesome. Rebel, we're coming. I will follow you, Maura. Great. You know that. God bless. <laughs> okay, a few more. <laughs> Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. All-inclusive. Say that's so sexy. It's the sexiest answer on all-inclusive <laughs> ever. <laughs> all-inclusive. Planning a walk-around event or a sit-down dinner? walk around. I'm going to say walk around as well. That's what we do. Yes. I mean, we do both. We do both. Okay. Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook? Instagram. Instagram. Me too. Cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. Cheese plate. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Queens. I was going to say Queens. I'm from Queens. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Or Queens. Queens. We're going to say Queens for now. I love it. Awesome. That was the game. (laughs) time for industry news so big news this week in the new york times article meat is linked to higher cancer risk who report finds not intentionally but that night i ended up having a charcuterie plate so i guess it didn't affect me that much um i believe in moderation i don't know this is saying that this report is the it's the World Health Organization saying that eating processed meats like hot dogs, ham, and bacon raises risk of colon cancer, and consuming other red meats probably raises the risk as well. What do you think? Stop sure. eating meat? No. Um, I think everything in moderation, particularly grass-fed meats, are wonderful. I think there are a lot of good heritage farmers out there doing good things, and I don't recommend having a hoagie a day filled with a lot of salami and that's a great campaign though I mean, hoagie a day yeah i always wait for hoagie fest at wawa for any people that <laughs> love a wawa sandwich um but i think everything in moderation and and more plant-based foods uh, similar i think moderation is a key to to anything um and also just trying to stay away from processed foods um the more you can cook for yourself within your own home and prepare your own foods the less you're looking at you know the ingestion of chemicals and Moderation. I also love beans. I say go for the bean. Let's bring the bean back. Oh, listen, I'm a carnivore, so I like <laughs> meat. But again, I would prefer to pre- like prepare it for myself. Yeah. Know where it's coming from. Know the farmer or the butcher. Yes. If you can shop locally, try to do that. Yes, I agree with both of you. <laughs> I mean, I, I I wasn't even thinking about it until um, the next day. I was looking at my Instagram, and I was like, did I really just eat that that night? This yep, I had out? a lot of bacon the day before, <laughs> and I enjoyed it because I couldn't remember the last time I did have bacon. I so had it this night. There we go. Yeah, moderation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never smoked a cigarette. Me either. I plead the fifth. <laughs> no problem. Okay. Now, this other article I've had on my agenda for a while. I haven't had time to talk about it, but... I'm passionate about solo dining. So this is, solo dining is becoming more popular. So in the Chicago Tribune, there was an article, Dining Solo, You're Not Alone. And then it said, saddest trend story ever with a question mark, more people dining alone, the study says. And they had from Open Table in this article noting that reservations for one are up 62% over the past two years. I think it's probably even higher because when I dine solo, 
I rarely make a reservation. I just go as a walk-in. Mm-hmm. But this saddest trend story ever, I don't agree with that. I think it's cool to go out on your own and rather than stay home and be afraid to go out, I think that would be, in my opinion, sad versus if you want to go out, go take out, yourself do out. It. Yes. I yeah. love dining alone when I'm outside of New York and when I'm traveling, um, you know, mostly for sure. work. But I think I was just in Chicago and ate by myself at Dove's and it was great. I got to sit between two people. I had no idea who they were. One of them was really weird. One was really interesting. They got up, they left, more people came in and you wouldn't have that, nor would you be as in tune to it if you were dining with someone. True. I haven't done a lot of dining, to be very honest. I haven't done a lot of it. Um, A lot of the time it was, it would be like between meetings where I'm grabbing something to eat. I feel like I get a lot done though when I eat alone, just because I'm kind of bringing some work with me or a book and I'm reading or... I, I feel like I've accomplished more what I've ate, you know, eaten alone out. I sad, ate though. That's, a Lara bar on the subway today by myself. And that's not so sad. cool. I know. I'm really cutting edge. I agree that that title is really upsetting me, though. The saddest trending story. That's... Yeah, I didn't... I, it's it, it was right underneath. I thought when I first... First I was like, wow, this is amazing. Because there's been a lot more articles I've been noticing on... On, on solo dining, it's it's definitely a trend happening. And as my solo dining experience is coming up, it's something I do that I just started doing basically because I'm single and I like going out. And I figured, why, why not? not? Yeah. Absolutely. You, know, you don't always. I mean, I like having plans with friends. Do but. people talk to you a lot? And how do you respond? Ooh. Oh, that's a good question. I think, it, you know, I think it's body language. Like sometimes usually if I'm open to a conversation, yes, I whether I'm at a uh, sitting at a chef's counter or, uh, you know, talk that I can talk to the chefs or a bartender at a bar. If I'm at a, I've done fine dining on my own at white tablecloth restaurants. And typically people just are looking over at me and wondering why I'm alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, I just go about my business and, but so more I'm having conversation with the staff. Right. And then it turns into a work thing because, Hey, I'm in the industry, but right. Um, I think it depends. I think chef counters and bars and communal tables are definitely yes. more open to meeting people than if you're at your own table. Yeah, I can't imagine going up to someone sitting by themselves at a table. I need to try a chef table. I'm sorry. I know that we're yeah, game on. solo dining, but we keep on circling back to chef yeah. and tables. It's great. You're going to love it. I need Have to I said this. rebel yet? You, just just <laughs> once. Just I am a fan. Me too. Okay. It's time for my solo dining experience, but we're going to take a break first and then come back and I'm going to do it. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Oh, won't you save all your pumpkin pie? Oh, won't you save all your pumpkin pie just for me, girl? Please don't give none away. Let it get sweeter by the day. Oh, won't you save it, baby? Won't you save it? Oh, won't you save it all for me? Save all your cherry jam. Oh, won't you save all your cherry jam? Oh, won't you save all your cherry jam? Just for me, girl. Please don't give none away. Let it get sweeter by the day. 
Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience, which this week is at More Food and Drink. Here's the rundown. Location, 44 West 63rd Street in the Empire Hotel in Lincoln Square, New York City. The concept, bringing a downtown contemporary American restaurant uptown. The chef, Harold Moore, formerly of Beloved Commerce, and he is opening a new restaurant called Harold's Meat Plus 3 in the upcoming Tommy Hotel in Hudson Square. Why did I go? Because Harold is a great chef, and this restaurant was in my hood. My experience. On a recent Thursday night, I took a seat at the bar, which was about half full. I looked over the menu and asked the bartender for a few dish suggestions. He was kind and helpful, and I felt very relaxed in the upscale yet casual ambiance. What did I get? I had the lobster with sweet corn, bacon, and chanterelles, a club soda, and an amazing bread basket. My take. The lobster was delicious. I loved the sweet corn. The mushrooms were a little bit too buttery for me, but it was a great dish. And the bread basket was reason enough to go. The scene, hotel guests, and locals. Perfect for a dinner before Lincoln Center. However, interesting tidbit. More food and drink actually closed yesterday as it was meant to be a pop-up and it returned to its predecessor, Ed's Chowder House. Personal fun fact, when I saw Harold at Metopia for NYC Wine and Food Festival, he told me to go soon because it was designed as a pop-up and it was going to close. So I'm glad I listened. The cost, $40, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back if it pops up again? Yes, I would. Website is More Food and Drink, which will link you now to edschowderhouse.com. And I've been to Ed's, too, and it's a great restaurant. But I've never been there solo, so maybe I'll go back solo. And that is my experience this week. So, ladies, it is time for the final question. My next guest is Ed Schoenfeld, the owner of Red Farm and Decoy, a Chinese food expert. Known eating with Eddie. I bet you both know know um, Ed, right? Yes, love Red Farm. I love Red Farm. Love a dumpling. Love a dumpling. Chinese expert Ed is coming on the show. What should, what would you like to ask him? I'd really like to ask him how he feels about the growth in food events for charity or otherwise, especially in New York City. Okay. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, Ed. Ed will be happy, I believe, to share his thoughts on that. Amazing. Can't wait. Yeah. No, he's a great guy, and I love his restaurant. So, well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having us. I'm so happy that we could chat with Jackie from PTG, who is just one of the most fun people to work with. And if we're working, we might as well be having fun because it's not brain surgery. We're giving people food and drink. I really, I mean, I don't, but I do. I sort of just want to plan an event so I can work with you guys. So much fun. (laughs) (laughs) I'll delegate it all. (laughs) Exactly. Have someone else do this. Where's my spreadsheet? Yeah, no, you guys are incredible. So thank you so much. Thank you. I have been speaking with Maura Sedgwick, NYC Senior Manager, Culinary Events for Share Our Strength, and Jackie Palmer of PTG Events. She works on client services and on-site management. Their websites are nokidhungry.org, ptg.biz, and nycwff.org. You can follow them at Maura Sedgwick, at No Kid Hungry, at PTG Events, and you can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, 
at All Industry. Check out my Facebook page, which is All in the Industry, and my PR website is BayerPublicRelations.com. If you miss a live show, you can always find us on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on Stitcher and iTunes. You s- please subscribe to my show on iTunes, and you can leave reviews. I'd love to hear what you think of the show. Thanks, many thanks to Maura and Jackie. Thanks to my fabulous engineer, Liz, to all of our sponsors and all of you out there listening. I'm Sherry Bayer, and I will be back next Wednesday at 4 o'clock with another live show. Thanks for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.